When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The NFL season has come to a close. With the playoffs on the horizon, teams like the Steelers can now focus on the offseason. What is in store? And how do we grade the Pittsburgh Steelers coaching staff after an impressive come-from-behind season, after a rough beginning, making a 9-8 and season out of what many thought was going to be a dumpster fire year? Welcome into the Steelers Fix. My name is Andrew Wilbar, contributor at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, alongside the legendary jeremy batch jeremy how's it going tonight it's going pretty good um we're sitting here watching the national championship while we're doing uh this recording uh for our tuesday show and um you know just sitting watching uh georgia really just putting it on at halftime and uh man it it was better games uh last week so uh we'll see how it turns out obviously but then uh at that point, we're talking these guys as prospects, and we're talking a uh, moving on, and that's uh, that's our focus here on the Steelers fix. So we're getting excited about the off season, but man, I'm doing good, and I'm I'm just happy the Steelers closed out strong, man. Even though it was disappointing, we didn't get that final playoff spot in the AFC. I did think that it was, you know, it was a, a fitting end of the season. Mike Tomlin getting his winning season again and the Steelers not being quite good enough over the course of the whole season to really be considered a playoff contender. Yeah. And when you look at, you know, everyone has their own thoughts on Mike Tomlin and, you know, I have my own as well, but looking at what he did from a team that looked completely lost at the bye week 
and turn it around. It was, you know, there were a lot of easier opponents on the schedule, but still an impressive mm-hmm. way to come back and get a winning record. Nonetheless, it does show as much as, you know, I think overall Mike Tomlin is a little bit overrated in the terms of the media. I, I think he's a good coach. Don't get me wrong. I just think sometimes he gets a little bit too much praise, but when you look at what he did, with this team, which overall from top to bottom is not near as talented as previous Pittsburgh Steelers teams we have seen, Jeremy. Right. You know, what do you think the biggest thing mm-hmm. is for Tomlin moving forward as it pertains to the Steelers and how they take that next step with a young quarterback? Man, I think it's putting him in a position to really grow. And, um, you know, obviously the defense is the catalyst right now for what the Steelers want to become. And Mike Tomlin talks about that. I think he probably even uses that same wording. So uh, I don't know if he's got that copy right, uh, you know, that trademark for um, for that thought process. But, yeah, that's the way um, it's been this year. And I, I would assume that's going to be the thought process moving forward into 2023 as well. But I'll tell you what, man, I, the way Kenny Pickett closed out the year um, – playing his best ball, playing uh, decisive. And yes, we're, we still see him uh, throw some, some scattershot balls every now and then. Yes. We don't, we don't see him get every read correct, um, but the growth is there. And I think, you know, surrounding him with, um, with better talent and the Steelers have a great base already, but more talent on the offensive line, not settling for mediocrity along the offensive line, or in the offensive scheme, I would say as well. Um, those are huge deals, I think, for the Steelers moving forward and uh, something to keep an eye on as the offseason uh, is just getting started. Well, as we're recording this, of course, this is again during the national championship game on Monday night. So if you do hear some background noise, it's because we have a, a lot of people in this uh, room that I've been recording in on Mondays uh, there in watching the game tonight. Uh, that right now, Jeremy does not look super impressive, but Look, we were talking about the draft prospects. I don't want to talk about them too much uh, tonight, but mm. D. Winters, a guy that we talked about last week and we're praising, had a rough go of it in the first half, as did the entire TCU defense, really uh, over-pursuing on a lot of plays. Uh, what's been yeah. your biggest NFL draft takeaway from tonight's game, which, of course, 38-7 to at halftime currently? Yeah, I think I think it's that this, this Georgia front seven is going to keep producing – dudes um for a long time uh, starting with Jalen Carter this year and uh with the Bears now owning that first overall pick if they do not get a uh an offer that they like for it I could see a guy like Jalen Carter going number one overall to a a team that really needs some defensive help in Chicago um so we'll that will affect the draft coming up and I'm seeing uh really a strong showing by the Georgia defense, but on offense, I think they're just a machine. Uh, I don't think they necessarily have any real standout players uh, that are coming out in the draft uh, as far as skill positions and uh, at quarterback necessarily. Stetson Bennett's playing a really good game, and I think he's going to be probably underrated in the draft process based on his physical traits um, to a point, but um, that offensive line is really good, and I think you're going to see – uh, stock rise for some of these guys, uh, Van Praan in at center and um, uh, the left tackle. Who's the left tackle that's coming out this year? Or is it for right Georgia? Tackle? Yeah, for Georgia. Uh, Broder- uh, Broderick Jones. Broderick Jones, that's right. Yeah, uh, Broderick Jones playing lights out so far uh, again today as well. 
that's what I'm seeing. I just think TCU is probably overmatched in this game. Nothing against their prospects uh, coming into this this offseason, but I just think Georgia is the team uh, that's going to win it. And, uh, you know, Ohio State had their one shot and they uh, gave it their best. And even um, a, an organization like uh, – or a, a, a team like Ohio State couldn't do it. TCU is a little overmatched here probably. When you look at, you know, you mentioned the Chicago having the first overall pick. Uh, it's an, it's impressive to see that the Steelers legitimately have two first-round picks this year. Yeah. Which is absolutely exciting in some ways. And honestly, having a 30-second pick in the second round is better than the first because you have 20 hours on the clock to figure out who you want to take, and you have 20 hours to potentially trade out that pick instead of 10 minutes. I, exactly. I you know... As much as I'm disappointed that the Steelers are picking as low as they are with their first pick and we had a chance at one point to have a top five draft pick, I am excited to see the the Steelers legitimately having two first-round picks, see what Omar Khan does in terms of moving up and down the draft board. Again, this is going to be his first draft. We'll see how that goes. But, Jeremy, to segue into the topic of today's show, well, real quickly, one more thing on the Steelers. What is your one, one thing as it pertains to the end of the season for the Steelers uh, as we head into the offseason that you want to – get out of your system before we head to more off-season topics. Ooh, um I think really it's the don't settle for mediocrity. Um I think you can get kind of sucked in by a, a solid finish to the season by guys like Kevin Dodson and guys like Dan Moore Jr. who played solid down the stretch. Um you know, Matt Canada did better in the second half of the season, right? But we still see areas where um, those spots can be improved. And I think if you want to take the next step as an offense specifically uh, for the Steelers, then you've got to you've got to take the next step and, and try to improve on some of the mediocre uh, portions of the team. So I would just say that's my biggest push. Um, you know, you've got the quarterback in place. I think you've got the skill positions in place for the most part. Wide receiver might be a little bit more of a need than maybe we thought with some of the issues we've seen from Deontay Johnson this year. Um, and he's overall been not bad, not a problem for the offense either. But uh, I think more weapons around Kenny Pickett is not a bad thing. But really, um, getting this offense to a place where it is, you're not working against the play calling and you're not working against the uh, occasional laps from uh certain players along the offensive line and that you're grooming people to come in and replace guys like Mason Cole and uh, you know, Kevin Dotson and, and Dan Moore jr. Who are going to be coming up on the end of contracts very soon as well. So you've got to, you've got to always keep plug and play there um, and just don't settle for, uh, yeah, they finish strong. They finish solid. Let's see how we can improve and get better still. Yeah, I'd, I second pretty much everything you said there. It's going to be interesting again, as much as, you know, it's hard to not talk about Omar Khan and what he could do this offseason because there's so much intrigue. We haven't had a GM change here in a long time. So it's going to be interesting to see which direction the Steelers go. Let's get into the topic of today's show, Jeremy. Uh, we're going to be giving a final report card for the Steelers coaching staff. We're going to go coach by coach. Uh, on this staff with some of the smaller name position coaches we're either going to run through briefly or may not even mention at all. Uh, but we want to give an outlook as to what the Steelers have done as of Monday night, the Steelers have not made any coaching moves as it pertains to hiring, firing anybody. And it probably will be a little while until we get more clarity on that. But let's start off with the quarterback coach, Mike Sullivan. 
We saw some progression from Kenny Pickett. Mm. Mitch Trubisky, rough start, but when he spot started a couple times, did okay. How would you grade uh, Mike Sullivan? Uh, I think Mike Sullivan does a really good job getting his guys prepared for um, the opponent upcoming and, um, you know, playing to their strengths a little bit as well, helping them in, in the areas where they're weak. We've seen improvement from both of those guys uh, steadily this year, specifically Kenny Pickett, especially with his decision-making. And I think that comes back to coaching um, a specifically position coach where uh, this guy's with him every day, working on his fundamentals, his eyes, his technique, um, his, his thought process uh, in the huddle during the play, all of this, this stuff. So I think he did a solid job. I wouldn't say, you know, that he took a, 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 a guy in Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky and really elevated them to another level necessarily. But um, as far as just being a guy that um, gets, gets steady growth and steady production out of them uh, is what Mike Sullivan provided. So I would give him a B this year, um, you know, solid stuff, nothing too spectacular that stands out to me. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to give him a B as well. There's nothing to really knock against him outside of the fact that nothing was excellent. But at the same time, really the only way he could have gotten an A grade was if, you know, Kenny Pickett just lit up the world this right. year. And, you know, it been difficult to do. And again, part of that could be because of the offensive play calling by Matt Canada as well. But uh, I think a B is a fair grade for a guy like Mike Sullivan, not, you know, known as an elite quarterback coach by any stretch of the imagination, but a guy who's there, a guy who's been around for a long time and has good experience and, Kind of saw that in play this year as he helped, uh, I really believe, Trubisky and Pickett uh, develop mm. certain parts of their game. Let's move to Eddie Faulkner. Jeremy, Eddie Faulkner is a guy that I have not been a fan of for ever since he's really been hired. James Saxon went very underappreciated here, was a mm. very good running backs coach. I believe is like only a few years went by in his coaching career that he really did not have a Pro Bowl running back up until his time in Pittsburgh. And even through his time in Pittsburgh when he had Le'Veon Bell and James Conner. Uh, what would you? What grade would you give Eddie Faulkner uh, as the running backs coach in Pittsburgh? Yeah, uh, if you asked me this question halfway through the season, it's a it's an F. <laughs> I mean, the running backs were just not good. Uh, Najee Harris was indecisive; it didn't look like um, the guy the Steelers had drafted in the first round to be uh, a Pro Bowl caliber player at the running back position, and then. Whatever happened in that bi-week time frame, that two weeks where the Steelers did not have a game, um, it's so impressive to me, the change you saw in Najee Harris, in Jalen Warren, how they started working together, um, how they were schemed in, and how they just just started hitting holes with with speed, power, and uh, tenacity, uh, decisiveness. It was a total change in in how these running backs attacked, and that has to go back to coaching. The you know, and I think Faulkner should get a lot of credit for for helping to say, Najee, this isn't working the way you're doing it. Let's refocus here. And uh, I think that you know, again, these this is the guy that works with with Najee and Jalen and and uh, Derek Watt and all that. Um, you know, on the daily. So he he's in their heads. He's talking to them. He's seeing what they're seeing. And I think that he, he should get a lot of credit uh, despite a subpar, really bad start to the year for the running backs. Um, the, the running game has improved dramatically. And I think a lot of that has to do with the running backs making plays 
and deciding that they're not just going to hang back and and try to hit a home run every time. Let's just pound the rock. Let's let's do what we do. I I think two things that I see that the reason I'm a little bit more pessimistic on the running backs is because I see two common issues with the group as a whole. And this is with all the Steelers running backs, not one specifically. I feel like vision is one issue that has been a common problem as as the end of the season went on we saw the offensive line especially in between mason cole and james daniels we saw in that a gap we saw some holes being created more holes being created we saw a lot of running backs trying to go over that right tackle trying to go over that right tackle and they were they were struggling to do anything but keeping their head straight forward not, not having the greatest awareness of where the hole is not being the quickest to find it i think that was if there's anything you want to pick apart negatively out of jalen warren season i think that is one thing yeah. And Najee Harris, that was a big issue for the majority of the year as well. Um, and my other thing with Faulkner is that his running backs tend to run high. Now, Najee Harris, you can understand because he's a six foot one back, uh, but Benny Snell has the same issue. You could honestly have made that same argument for Anthony McFarland as well when he had been with the team. A super talented running back, Faulkner just did, was unable to develop him here. Um, just a guy, you know, hasn't been able to make it. Uh, but we'll see what happens uh, with them moving forward. I gave him a C- minus this year. I would still like to see the Steelers upgrade at this coaching spot, but it was encouraging to see some progression uh, down the stretch of the season. And I can't remember if I actually gave my grade. I, th- I think I did, but just in case I didn't, uh, it's a B. It's a B. So It's a B. So we got two yeah. Bs from Jeremy, a C, a B and a C- minus from me. Before we go to our break, Jeremy, let's hit one more, and this is Frisman Jackson, wide receivers mm. coach. This could go from anywhere from top to bottom, however you want to go about it. You know, I mean, there's talk, yeah. you know, Chase Claypool, you know, why couldn't he do anything with him? Deontay Johnson, you know, the utilization of the receivers. Is that on Matt Canada? Is that on Frisman Jackson? You know, the development of the younger receivers. Um, what do you get? What grade do you get Frisman Jackson? This one's really tough because I think, I think more than most positions, the wide receiver position is, especially when you don't have a true number one necessarily on your roster. It's about how they're set up with the play design and with the scheme of the offense. Um, but, you know, I, I'll say a, a C for Frisman Jackson. And, uh, yeah, you do have concerns about um, Chase Claypool with all the physical talent. Uh, why wasn't he able to really put it together? Um, is that coaching? Is it just – uh, he's he's the problem. You know, we haven't seen him be any better in Chicago. In fact, he's been worse. So maybe that even is a, a testament to yep. Frisman Jackson. Uh, so something to consider there. Um, but I think <clears throat> at this point in the season, Deontay Johnson's still running backwards on a lot of his catches, like without really even needing to. That's to me something as a coach you say, stop doing it. If you do it again, you're you're doing push-ups or something. I don't know. Maybe that's too high school of me, but just the thought process there. Um, you know, some you got to work with these guys, and yes, you don't want to limit their physical talents and their natural abilities. You want to guide it, and I just don't know if he's done anything to necessarily improve and guide uh, outside of what these guys can just naturally do. Um, so. Is, is he a detriment to the team? No, I don't think so. Is he adding a whole lot? I don't think so as well. I, um, he, he's just a, a solid guy. I think I'll just give him a C here. Yeah, I am giving him a C here. Again, the, I think the Chase Claypool thing honestly works in his favor because he was literally a non-factor um, when he went to uh, Chicago. 
But again, what you said about Deontay Johnson, undisciplined in terms of, you know, coming back on plays after he has the ball in his hands, you know, just some mental things, you know, what are you doing? Uh, don't totally understand. And, you know, the bar was set high with Daryl Drake, you know, even for that short period of time, you know, yeah. he earned the players respect and the Steelers have gone two years in a row now where it's just like, there's a lot of questions as it pertains to the discipline of the wide receiver room. It'll be interesting to see what the Steelers do moving forward. Unlikely that they get rid of Frisman Jackson already. I think he's going to hang around, um, but we'll see what happens. There's going to be some uh, changes in that wide receiver room this year. We'll see uh, which changes there are moving forward. Well, seriously- yeah, just one, one more real quick thing about the wide receivers. I, I have a feeling we're going to start seeing it and maybe not with like a George Pickens, but guys like Deontay Johnson, guys like Chase Claypool, and it's the Ben Roethlisberger factor. And I don't know it. I think it's overblown a little bit, overstated a little bit that the Steelers are this super incredible wide receiver evaluator. Uh, it's the Ben Roethlisberger effect. And you're already starting to see it. Big Ben elevated the play of every receiver in the room. James Washington goes to Dallas, not working out. James Washington had a career year. In 2019, you know, uh, with, well, uh, with backups, I, I guess, but with Ben Roethlisberger there, he was a part of this offense, you know, and um, Antonio Brown and all his issues after the only really good receiver that the Steelers uh, let go of that played better after he left is Emmanuel Sanders. Every other Steelers receiver uh, in that span has been way better with Roethlisberger than without. So just a thought process there, uh, I think sometimes we overblow uh, and overstate how much or how good the Steelers are at drafting and developing wide receiver talent. When you lose the franchise quarterback that makes everybody better, that uh, starts to show. I think it's doing that. Absolutely agree. So many people, even in the later portions of his career, took Ben Roethlisberger so much for granted. You just veteran quarterbacks can see the field and they can, they can get receivers open. Uh, Unlike any rookie quarterback, even a Mitch Trubisky, you know, as much as I want him to come in and, you know, I think he did a solid job overall. Um, you know, there's something about a veteran quarterback who's been around for 15 years, just knows how defenses are schemed from week to week and knowing, you know, where he's going to find the open receiver. And we saw really Deontay Johnson had that special connection with him toward the end, always getting him open, you know, wasn't the most efficient. No. And part of that was on Ben Roethlisberger as well, but he knew how to get the ball to his receivers and to the right person when they were open. Well, Steelers fans, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to finish grading some of these Steelers assistant coaches, and we may even get to the head coach as well. Stay tuned. You don't want to go anywhere. The Steelers fix. We'll be right back after this. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the second half of the Steelers fix. Andrew Wilbar and Jeremy Betts with you again. And now the score is 45 to seven. For those of you that are not paying attention to the game that went on last night, Jeremy and I are (laughs) very unenthused at this point as to what is happening. Um, Probably one of the worst national championship games that uh, I can remember. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, very one-sided and um, I mean, dogs fans are, are very happy right now and I'd, I'd assume and oh, yeah. two years in a row clearly the best team in in college football yeah seen I, I just wish that one of michigan and ohio state was playing in this game either one would have been <laughs> so much a better game uh, yeah I, I think so i really do yeah well congratulations to george on winning the national championship we'll just go ahead and say that right now um now watch him pull off an amazing comeback the horn frogs of tcu i don't think that's possible but Getting back to the topic of today's show, Jeremy, we're grading the Steelers coaching staff going coach by coach. And the next one on the list is Alfredo Roberts, tight ends coach, uh, did an excellent job last year. And really, I mean, I, th- I think he did a great job this year overall, seeing more production from Pat Fryman. Didn't see quite as much from Zach Gentry, um, but uh, even Connor Hayward being used in that role. Um, he's teaching his guys to block, which is huge. Um, I'm going to give him an A. Uh, what are your thoughts on him, Jeremy? Yeah, I think um, I had originally said B plus, but that's being nitpicky. I, I'm going to go ahead and give him an A as well. Um, the what you mentioned about Connor Hayward, uh, I think is is a big part of this. Uh, a young guy who kind of was positionless, if you if you will, coming out of the draft. A lot of teams or a lot of us were thinking that uh, he could potentially end up a um, fullback. Um, you know, something along those lines end up as a as a, a real hybrid there but he's been playing mostly tight end some some h back you know um uh, as as the uh as the slot guy tight to the formation but um yeah his development especially over the back half of the season i think he's he's shown that he can easily be a, a tight end too as a pass catcher um and he's he just showed i mean his his play over the last couple of weeks uh, in clutch moments was, was huge. Uh, a big reason why they closed out that game against the, the Browns uh, on, in week 18 uh, with his big catch over the middle that set up the um, touchdown that made it 28 to 14. So, uh, and then he sealed the game against the, the um, Raiders with his jet sweep. So he's an athlete and he plays well. And I think Alfredo Roberts uh, has a lot to, to do with putting these guys in position to be successful. You already talked about, Friermuth, who I think is uh, again going to continue to make the leap uh, with more consistent offensive play calling and, and better usage, I think he could be a top three, four, five tight end in this league. Now, on the let's move on to Pat Meyer because I know we both have some thoughts on this. For me, I I gave it a C because we did see we did see positive we did see the team move forward, which it was hard to go backward considering we were 
dead last in the NFL last year. But we did see some progression, especially as the year went on. We saw a little bit more continuity. Uh, Mason Cole and James Daniels had probably a big part to do with it, but I will give him credit for Jakumo Korafor and uh, his yeah. continued development. He fits really well into what Pat Meyer tries to do. Um, there's something about the style, especially when they're um in an upward stance in the shotgun, where it's like that they, they lay out their hands on the defenders quickly and then set and go back. Something about that. It it Okorafor seemed very comfortable from day one in Pat mm-hmm. Meyer's system. On the downside, we saw regression from Kevin Dotson and Dan Moore. So I'm giving them a C because of that. Uh, what what do you give him? I, I'm a little more optimistic about um, Pat Meyer. Um, I gave him a B plus, actually, and that may seem high, but I think that from where we stood in the preseason, right, where we thought, okay, we're not going to win – a game this year because this offensive line is so bad, <laughs> you know, uh, we, we better not put Kenny Pickett back there this year because he's going to get killed. Um, from where we were then to where we are now, this is a, uh, a solid offensive line and it can get better. Uh, we, I talked about that. You've talked about that already, especially on the left side there. You're correct. Uh, in that regard, but I I would say that just from where it started to where it is now, that's that's those guys buying into his system and him getting it through to them how to make it work, and they started playing better, especially as run blockers down the stretch. This was a, in my opinion, a top a top twelve run blocking offensive line throughout the last half of the season, and and to me that's. Pat Meyer and this group of guys uh, coordinating the run game saying, Hey, you know, you've got powerful running backs here. They're going to start hitting their holes uh, with, um, you know, with decisiveness. And so just, just make impact and be strong at the point of contact. And and that's all we're going to need. And they started doing that and they started looking better. There were some issues in pass pro uh, on that left side. Um, specifically Dan Moore Jr. And uh, I think that the the team can improve in that regard. But um, Pat Meyer, to me, did a, a, a stand-up job um, improving this this offensive line and is a, a major upgrade on Adrian Clem from last year. Oh, yes. That I will give him. <laughs> oh, Adrian Clem. Though he gave Mike Tomlin <laughs> his first branch of the coaching tree. Except hey. he went down to the college yeah. ranks. But well. – Anyways, let's move to the defensive side of the ball. Grady Brown, I'm just going to give it a C. It's hard to tell how much of an impact he has on the DBs when Terrell Austin is the lead guy as it pertains to the defensive and yeah. the secondary. Uh, what do you give him? Yeah, C as well. Um, you know, kind of kind of the same as Frisman Jackson, I think, um, in this regard. I don't know how much he's really doing for them, uh, but he's not necessarily hurting them either. So uh, a C for me. Gary Olsovsky is a difficult one because we know that Brian Flores is Olsovsky has been around for a long time. And I, I wanted him fired last year. Um, I felt like the inside linebackers have underperformed Devin Bush up until this year, where we saw at least a little bit of positive movement in the right direction uh, under Brian Flores. We, I mean, Olsovsky had multiple years to work with him. I'm giving him a C minus. I, I will credit him partially with Mark Robinson, although he's mm. more of a Flores type linebacker. He just plays Flores' style. Mm. Um, and Robert Spillane, a guy who's continued to develop 
Um, I think I think Brian Flores may have gotten a little bit more out of him than Olsavsky did, but there's not that's necessarily a lot to complain about. I'm giving him a C minus just because um I really do not think he had much to do with Bush's progression or really Mark Robinson to an extent. Um, not saying he didn't have anything to do with it at all, but I got to give more credit to Brian Flores. So really my grade doesn't change a whole lot from last year when I think I had a D plus for Olsavsky last year. So I'll give him a little bit of a bump. Still not a fan of his. What about you? Yeah, I'm going C minus as well. Um, I think he, I think um, the Steelers know how to identify linebackers in the draft um, guys that, fit what they like to do uh free agency as well miles jack turned out to be a really good signing for the steelers this year um but yeah i agree with you uh on development they've struggled developing since keith butler left the linebackers coach position uh to be defensive coordinator and he can't focus on that group as much um keith butler uh we're starting to see just how good he was with those linebackers if you look back through his tenure as linebackers coach, um, you know, the Steelers were always incredible at inside linebacker. And Olsovsky has not quite followed those footsteps the way we'd like. So uh, I give him a C minus as well. I think the Steelers could improve that area of their coaching staff, especially if Brian Flores leaves uh, for um, a, a higher uh, level job somewhere, which I would expect to be the case um this year let's move to the defensive line carl dunbar i i don't think there's a whole lot to complain about the defensive mm-hmm. line tyson alalu showed his age um uh, but that's obviously not on dunbar uh he got the most out of tyson alalu um demarvin leal hard to tell at this point um struggled with injuries um, but Larry Ogunjobi came in, had a nice part of that defensive line, came in, contributed whenever healthy. Um, and Cameron Hayward still, you know, he's Cameron Hayward. You know, it's not I'm not putting any positive or negative on Dunbar, but there's not a whole lot you can complain about. Um, you know, even when Montrevious Adams and other guys came in, they weren't excellent. But he's Dunbar is getting more out of them than at the other places that they've been at. The Steelers are getting right. the most out of their depth guys than I think any other team does. And I think that's correct to Carl Dunbar, well-respected guy around the league. I'm giving him an A- minus simply because we didn't see, like, a special, like, you know, Isaiah Loudermilk type year last year where, mm-hmm. you know, I was expecting this guy to be cut in camp. And then, you know, he comes in and actually has a couple decent games. We didn't yeah. see that this year, so A- minus just because there was nothing spectacular. But I still – I love Carl Dunbar. What about you? I, I really like Carl Dunbar as well. And I think – um him and Cam Hayward together really make that room. Um, Larry Ogunjobi has been a fantastic addition to this team, and we thought he would, um, but he's gotten even better and better as the season has progressed. And I think that that is a, in big part to Carl Dunbar helping these guys with their rotation and and how they uh, best play together and and scheme together and um, that. I think one of the things you can definitely say about uh, the Steelers defensive linemen is that they are always fundamentally and technically um, clean as a whistle. Um, the way the way uh, he teaches them to extend and just get off blocks and, and control offensive linemen, the way Cam Hayward just with one arm can control one, even two guys sometimes – on the offensive line uh, and make plays is incredible. And that's all technique and coaching. And then obviously a a good player understanding and uh, understanding the game and, and being a great player 
but uh, Carl Dunbar is the the building block for that. And I think, uh, you know, the Steelers probably are going to address that this offseason uh, defensive tackle at some point, hopefully in the draft early, in my opinion, uh, with one of those early uh, three picks, I think would be a great spot for it. And I think uh, who better than Carl Dunbar to get the most out of him as quickly as possible. I agree. I'm not along with some of these fans that want, you know, another five technique coming in. I think DeMarvin Leal's who they've I agree. invested into, but you got to get yourself a good nose tackle, run stuff and nose tackle that hopefully has a little bit of pass rushing upside. We've talked about those guys before. Actually, Mozzie Smith just declared for the draft today. Another guy to keep an eye on in those middle rounds. Um, but I'm, Let's move on to Brian Flores because this is one's interesting. I hope, Jeremy, by the next time we talk, he is still a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers coaching staff because the Steelers yeah. do not get any draft compensation for him leaving this year. He has to stay one more season. Uh, so I'm going to give Brian Flores an A-plus, really, for mm. what he did for this defense. I, I don't know how much of an impact he had in the entire defense, but what I do know is Alex Highsmith yeah. progressed huge this year. The blitz schemes were differently, but I think it helped Alex Highsmith. Um we saw Mark Robinson again, a guy that really fits. You know, if you're looking at the linebackers he had in Miami, Mark Robinson fits that mold. Um, just these guys that are hard hitters that play like running backs, but they're missiles going around the from sideline to sideline mm-hmm. can kind of fill a lot of different roles. That is what a Brian Flores linebacker is. And then I got to give him some credit for Devin Bush only because Daryl Sotsky had him for three years and didn't do anything with him. So the progression, I have to think, unless it's just from getting further away from the injury, again, Devin Bush was not spectacular by any stretch of the imagination, but he did show some steps of, you know, maybe he can become a solid contributor moving forward, even though he didn't play much the past couple weeks of the year. I got to give him an A+. That's just me. What about you, Jeremy? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say his biggest triumph this year was Robert Spillane. Uh, down the stretch um, who played fantastic and arguably better than either Bush or uh, Jack had at the peak of their uh, years. Uh, So Spillane obviously in coverage, still not great, (laughs) but as a, as a diagnoser of the play and as a, as a, a gap filler and, and a run run tackler. And uh, even just like, just hit the sure he's a sure tackler. And I think that that is, uh, in large part, uh, due to Brian Flores showing up this year. Uh, Spillane was was not good last year, um, or the year before when called into action. So the fact that he is improving that much is great. I don't think Bush is in the Steelers' plans for 2023. Unfortunate because uh, they spent draft capital to move up and get him a couple year or a few years ago, but still, I think. He's played better this year. He improved a lot this year. And you're exactly right. Alex Highsmith, um, fantastic pass rusher. He's he's playing himself out of Pittsburgh as far as the contract goes, unfortunately. Um, and that's something the Steelers are going to have to consider this offseason as well, is that Alex Highsmith uh, might not be long for Pittsburgh because he's going he's gonna to get a um, – a Bud Dupree size offer. I, I really believe that when he hits free agency, unless the Steelers can work something out with him uh, long-term and, and, you know, convince him to stay in the black and gold for longer, but b- b- back to Flores, uh, I thought he did a fantastic job. I, I don't know how much, like, I know they brought him in somewhat to help with scheme and help Terrell Austin with some of that, uh, scheming up the the defense as a whole and some of the disguises and everything that he had in Miami didn't see a whole lot of that I didn't think so 
that's why I cap his grade at a B plus here. I think he was a solid, solid contributor to this team, but I don't know if he necessarily took the defense as a whole to another level, which is kind of what I thought the Steelers uh, goal in bringing him in would be. Can't disagree with that. Uh, let's move to Matt, let's move to Matt Canada here. So uh, this is the one that everyone wants to talk about, and I think both you. I, I don't know if you've changed your tune at all. I know that I still want him fired. Yeah, definitely want him fired. There was improvement as the year went along, but still the scheming of sending Deontay deep more than George Pickens really. Um, the Jet sweeps, nothing special about the jet sweeps. We were expecting, you know, different disguises and stuff. Outside of like one reverse jet sweep that we saw the entire year, everything was the same. Same scheme, yeah. same formations. Nothing, you know, that makes you go, wow, this guy is really innovative, you know, other than saying the guy across the formation and snapping the ball as he's coming across. You know, I, I just, I'm giving him a D minus. The only reason that it's not feeling is because we saw some positive progression as the year went along. But when George Pickens is talking about, you know, Kenny Pickett, you know, disguising stuff in the pocket when you have um, the the uh, helmet when you know he he couldn't like he couldn't hear it, and you know, both. I'm not again. I'm not saying none of it had to do with Matt Canada and those game winning drives, but everything points to the fact that Kenny Pickett had more to do with it than Matt Canada, and. Mm. I've got to give him a D minus and I hope that this man is, you know, I hope him nothing but the best wherever he goes, you know, nothing will ill against him, but I do not want him as an assistant coach on the Pittsburgh Steelers next year. What about you? Yeah, I agree. Um, Again, back to my thought process on the mediocrity. Uh, Matt Canada turned out to be just barely okay in the second half of the season, I thought. And even still, I thought some of his, the timing of his play calls, um, the the scheming up of the Steelers' talent was was a huge disappointment in my opinion. Um, when you've got a guy that I think Kenny Pickett threw the ball to George Pickens three times in a row on uh, one of their last couple drives of the game against the Browns, and he made every catch. One of them was uh, ruled incomplete on the field, but I think he got those toes in bounds. Um, and you just see how spectacular he is. And yet he's walking out of the building at every game with no more than four or five targets and two or three catches sometimes. And Deontay Johnson is still getting 11, 12, 13 targets a game. It's irresponsible. It's uh, it's, unbelievable that he was allowed to get away with it for that long. And, you know, I just hope that the Steelers recognize, yes, that there was improvement, but if you stick with Matt Canada, you're, I think you're stunting Kenny Pickett's ceiling. Yep. Despite maybe it might be a little smoother for him in year two to keep the same offensive coordinator. Uh, I'm not arguing necessarily against that side of the coin, but if you want Kenny Pickett, to reach his max potential, he's not going to do it with Matt Canada at coordinator. So that's why I say a D. I didn't go D minus, but I did a D. Uh, and he's just not somebody I want to keep around. Absolutely agree. Let now we're running out of time, but Terrell Austin. A lot of people were saying Terrell Austin needs to be fired, blah, 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 blah. The Steelers still finished 10th in Ridiculous. the league, top 10 in scoring defense. Yeah. That's impressive in a year with the amount of injuries the Steelers had at different times. Akil Witherspoon, who was supposed to be the number one corner, went down with injury. TJ Watt was out for a little bit. Um, you know, 
I, I give him an A minus because of that, you know, being able to fight through all that and still coming up. I mean, we saw the best year of Cameron Sutton that we've seen in a long time. Yes. Uh, more than likely, the way the price corners are going, there's, I don't see any way the Steelers can bring him back at the price he's going to cost um, to be a number two guy, which the Steelers already have some number two guys. But we saw Levi Wallace progress down the stretch. Um, we saw some progression, positive progression toward the end of the year with the Steelers cornerbacks and creating more turnovers, which is something the Steelers we're a little bit concerned about, you know, midseason. You know, what is it with this defense that's not working? The Steelers got things going, and then once T.J. Watt came back, this defense was fine. Um, yeah. I'm going to give him an A minus real quickly, Jeremy. What do you have to say, Terrell Austin? Yeah, I'm giving him a B plus here. I think he's got um, he had a lot on his plate with the injuries early on in the season, and uh, despite some some rough games early, settled this group down, got them playing well. I don't think it was a huge dro- there was much of a drop off, if any, from. Uh, from uh, Keith Butler to to Terrell Austin, so I, I give him a B plus. Um, I think that another year doing this, he'll get better. Um, you know, scheming the defense, disguising some of these coverages. But I mean, the Steelers led the league in interceptions, I believe, this year. Um, they might or close to it. I don't remember for sure. Uh, since uh, I'm not sure what the total number is. I'll have to look it up again here. Um, but I know at one point in the season that they were leading the league in interceptions. And that's to me, a Terrell Austin thing, getting his guys in position, uh, playing good football. And despite being underwhelming overall as a, as a group, not, not really a number one guy there. Uh, they played above their skill level for part, for a good part of the year here. Yeah. I, I'm, we're going to move on because we don't have a lot of time, but, you know, agree with, you know, pretty much everything you said there. Um, Mike Tomlin. Yeah. Man. Saving the biggest for last. Um, I, I'm going to give him credit for bringing this team back into a potential yeah. playoff spot. I always say that, you know, I'm going to be more mad at the head coach if we go nine and eight than if we go two and 15, <laughs> um, which part of me is really stinking frustrated as a NFL draft nerd. I, yeah. I, very, I'm going to give him, I'm still going to give him a good grade. I'm going to give him a B. I still think that his philosophy as a whole is holding this team back, both on defensively and offensively. Terrell Austin and Brian Flores have both played heavy man, not heavy man, but they've mixed in a lot more man into their schemes in their previous stops than what they have in Pittsburgh. And I feel like Mike Tomlin has a lot to do with that, not wanting to change up the defensive philosophy. And I think that is holding this defense back. And on offense, could he be part of the issue with the offensive coordinators? We continuously see all these guys are supposed to be newly innovative or be better than the previous guy. None of them ever are. The Steelers just remain a very conservative off on both offense and defense. Um, we didn't even mention Danny Smith today, um, but we talked about him in a previous episode. Um, so we're going to hold off on him today. But Mike Tomlin, um, I give him a B. What do you think? I'm going to give him an A minus just for the work in getting this team back um, into contention after an abysmal start to the year, um, a questionable a decision to go to Kenny Pickett when he did, um, you know, questionable even to really start Mitch Trubisky at the beginning of the year. If you wanted to go talk about that, questionable to go to Kenny Pickett at all this year. You know, there's there's a lot of things that you could you could talk about but just the way he rallies his guys and and the way that they play for him uh i just wish somehow that he could make that extend for the whole year instead of just for when crunch time hits um but i'm going to still give him an a minus i just think um if if you're looking at coaching situations across the league there's a lot of 
really bad situations out yeah. there. There's a lot of coaches that um, just can't put it together as consistently as he can. And this is the Steelers rebuilding, rebuilding year. You know what I mean? This was the year of, of change. And still this team was in contention until the final 18 seconds of uh, a game in Miami. And uh, so uh, you just can't give him enough credit for uh, galvanizing this group mentally. And yes, there's some schematics things. Yes. There's some, uh, there's some situational things that you wish that he would either relinquish his duties in potentially, or uh, just try a different philosophy with and see if it works, but you just can't, can't underestimate and, and undersell how uh, he gets his team ready week in and week out to play. Yeah. He definitely has the respect to that locker room, which is uh, very important um, in a league that is, we constantly see players trying to gain more control of um, definitely an important factor in today's NFL real quickly. We are really pushing up against it, but we do have a couple questions. Jeremy, you got from Aiden Blaine. Yeah. Um, so Aiden, thank you for your questions, man. Um, Aiden says, uh, wondering if you guys could talk a little bit more about Clark Phillips, the third, uh, the cornerback from Utah. Um, he says, I'm trying to decide who I like more between him and Joey Porter jr. Uh, so just starting with that, Andrew, I just wanted to just kind of say, I think we're going to dive into these groups, uh, these position groups here later. So, uh, but I did want to ask you about Clark Phillips, the third, uh, compared to Joey Porter jr, uh, kind of an assessment strengths and weaknesses real quick for, for Aiden here. I think you're looking at a guy who, you know, a lot of people are projecting on the outside. I think he's best suited on the inside. If the Steelers draft him with that 32nd pick may and put him in the slot. I think that's ideal. The only issue is the Steelers need an outside corner as, yeah. as well, just as much or even more because the Steelers don't have a number one guy on the outside. So I think you're looking at Joey Porter Jr. He's my number one corner as of right now, but a lot's going to change with combine numbers. Yeah. All these guys are bunched in really close right now. you got seven, eight guys that could be first-round picks, um, but really like Clark Phillips on the inside. He's got ball skills. He can defend the run. I really like Clark Phillips and Porter Jr. Wouldn't be uh, disappointed with either of them in black and gold. Yeah, absolutely. And then he talks about uh, Keely Ringo as well. And I think you and I both agree his stock has kind of fallen for us a little bit. Um, obviously a good game tonight, <laughs> a good game in the national championship, but a terrible game, uh, honestly, overall yeah. against Ohio state. Awful. And we saw some, we've seen some very uh, questionable uh, mental mistakes out of him recently. He's got all the physical traits in the world, but something to keep an eye on there. And like I said, we will dive into these guys a little bit longer um, and then he also asks if the Steelers might look at a tight end in the middle rounds of the draft, uh, deep class. Um, and I, I would say yes, probably uh, that they will keep that in mind. Um, you know, a guy like uh, Darnell Washington would be an amazing ad for this team, a big weapon for Kenny Pickett and a great blocker as well. Um, but you know, th there's probably some other needs that, that land a little bit higher Um in the in the priority and we know the Steelers draft for need <laughs> they might say they don't but they do they draft uh value uh picks based on their needs at the time so um Andrew just any quick thoughts about that as well yeah I say let's wait until free agency passes and see what needs the Steelers fill as well as the scouting combine I've I've fallen in love with guys who have 
put up solid numbers, but are blockers. I'm always preferential to the blockers, but I love it when the blockers display some athleticism that nobody knows about. Brock Wright yep. was a huge fan of his last year, having a great year with the Lions. You know, very underrated season. He may even make some money in free agency if the Lions don't keep him. And then um, uh, Foster Moreau, who's a free agent this year, may get a just starting gig somewhere else around the league. Um, keep an eye on those guys, guys that run sub four sevens that have blocking ability. Those are the guys that I'm always going to show preference, be, be preferential to. Yes. And Aiden says that he thinks the Steelers could snag a really quality tight end and run more two tight end sets with Muth and the, the pick uh, this next year. And he says, thank you as always. Thank you, Aiden, for being a faithful listener of the show and for your questions. Um, Guys, if you want to, listeners, if you want to send in questions, we would love to hear from you and we would love to answer those. And we will do so in more detail for you, Aiden, on some of these position groups down the road here as well. Well, Steelers fans, we've come to a close, but make sure you continue to check out all Behind the Steel Curtains podcast right here on wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to check us out next week on the Steelers Fix because we're going to be diving full gear into the NFL draft in the next upcoming weeks, going position by position. The BTSC big board is going to be coming out and maybe just maybe have a draft prospect interview for you. You'll have to tune in next week and find out. It's the Steelers fix. Andrew Wilbur and Jeremy Best. We'll see you next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.